morning. I was blessed by the song service. I hope you were too. <clears throat> Especially um, the second to last song. It said, um, Behold the man upon the cross. That's a little bit what I have to speak about today. Um, but I'd appreciate it if Brother Laverne would ask a blessing for the remainder of the service. Also, the song we sang uh, earlier in the service, God Our Father, Sin Revival. <clears throat> so the oft our hearts are filled with sadness for the masses bound for hell. May our souls be stirred to action and the coming judgment tell. <clears throat> Going to talk about tragedy today. Life in this fallen world is full of tragedy. It's all around us. We see it uh, going on about us at Dewey's auction even and places like that. Um, we live in a sin-cursed world. Um, I remember my first fire call for CPR. We got there. The guy had been deceased for a while. But it was a man in his 40s who just died in his sleep. His girlfriend woke up and he was just dead beside her. And I think I was like 19 and I don't know, just going somewhere where somebody has died is, or there's a tragedy, it puts a certain weight on you. I don't know how, to, how else to describe it. Um, it has a way of, I don't know, can I say suppressing the environment around you? Um, I also think of a a really bad car wreck we went to where a young man had been drinking underage and he ran off the freeway and rear-ended a park semi and killed his girlfriend. Um, things like that, I guess they give you a um, how do I say it? They give you a different glimpse of life. Sometimes we can go about our daily lives without really um, can I say being being that involved in tragedy, but it's happening all around us. You look at the news, you see it all over the world. <clears throat> um, just this past week, I moved a building for a gentleman 
Um, and he had bought the building last year and his garage had burnt and he had bought this building to store things in until he rebuilt his garage. So just in conversation, I made some comment. I asked him if he lost a lot of stuff in the fire. And his response <clears throat> startled me a little bit. He looked at me and said, yeah, I lost everything, even my wife. How do you, how do you respond to that tragedy? The sad part was uh, it was suicide. Yeah, I didn't ask many details because I kind of wondered. I didn't want to press further, but um, it's a tragic world out there. So how does one deal with tragedy? <clears throat> many people deal with it by turning to alcohol or drugs or just finding things to dull or numb their minds by just constantly be busy in some activity. But how do we as God's people deal with it? <clears throat> I think we can find uh, some of the answers in the worst tragedy that ever happened. So let's turn to the Gospel of John chapter 19. This is the chapter on Jesus' crucifixion. Um, up to this time, he'd been praying in the garden with his disciples and then betrayed by Judas and taken before Pilate. Um, so we'll read the whole chapter here. <clears throat> then Pilate, therefore, took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers plated a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe. And they said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests therefore and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law we, he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Then Pilate therefore heard that, that saying, he was the more afraid, and went into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldest have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. <clears throat> and from henceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down on the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew... Gabatha, and it was the prep and it was the preparation of the Passover, and about the sixth hour, and he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. 
Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him, on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and in Greek and in Latin. Then said the chief priest of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier a part, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, Let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, they parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by, him whom he loved, oh, whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her into his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. And the Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that for that Sabbath day was on an high day, besought Pilate that the legs might be broken, and they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and break the legs of the first and the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. But one soldier one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bear record, and his record is true, and he knoweth that, that he saith true that ye might believe. For these things are done, that the scripture might be fulfilled, a bone of him shall not be broken. And again another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they pierced. I think I'll stop there. <clears throat> if you ever wanted to see a tragedy, this was the time to this. This uh, chapter is the ultimate tragedy, I would say. Um, here was an innocent man who had done nothing wrong. And he dies a horrible and painful, cruel death. Humiliated and rejected. <clears throat> it says, And Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And they mocked him. Forsaken and betrayed by friends. Saul's friends had left. One of them had even betrayed him. That seems like a, a sad ending. Can you imagine what the disciples thought after being with Jesus for so long, seeing all his miracles and following him about? And then this is the way it ends. 
it said that the Romans wouldn't even crucify their own citizens because it was so horrible. They only did it to the people they um, captured or took over their, their areas. It's a very painful and slow way to die. And then he was scourged and beaten and plated a crown of thorns and put on his head before all that happened. From the book of Genesis all the way through Revelation, we see uh, blood is a major part. Um, blood is a, I say, it's, blood is a major part of the picture of the Bible. We have the sacrifices um, in the Old Testament, and it starts in Genesis three when God f- made the first sacrifice to clothe Adam and Eve. <clears throat> that was the first sh- first shedding of blood to cover their nakedness, and then you go all the way up to the New Testament. And we're told the blood of Jesus is the last sacrifice offered by God to cover the nakedness of our sin. Many of our hymns talk of the blood of Jesus. I had a whole list, but I didn't bring it along because it was rather lengthy. But uh, what these hymns um, are declaring is that the story we've read in John isn't about Jesus bleeding and suffering and his death. But it's the story about why Jesus suffered and why he bled and why he died. So why did Jesus bleed, suffer, and die? Excuse my throat. The Bible clearly teaches that without the blood of Jesus, there is no forgiveness of sin. Ephesians 1.7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Then Revelation 1.5 declares that Jesus loved us and has washed us from our sins by his blood. So it's a very, very important thing. Without it, we have no salvation. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, For as much as ye know that ye are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. When people talk of Christ shedding his blood, they usually talk of the cross. But that's not the only place Jesus shed his blood. He shed his blood um, in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed uh, so hard about his upcoming crucifixion that he sweated great drops of blood. He was giving his blood even before he went to je- or went to was betrayed. Then in Pilate's Hall, after he'd been arrested and gone through several trials. He was brought to Pilate for the final time, and Pilate had Jesus beaten with whips. And when we think of whips, I guess, I don't think we think of whips like they have back then. We think of maybe a little buggy whip or something. But whips back then were embedded with bone and rock to specifically torture and torment. They said a lot of people died just from the whipping before they even made it to crucifixion. Uh, Then, 
Another aspect of Jesus shedding his blood was um, when the soldiers were mocking him and placed a crown of sharp thorns upon his head and pushed it down until it drew blood. And finally, when he died, a Roman soldier pierced a spear into his side and blood side and uh, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. <clears throat> I was amazed the interesting in studying on the cross and the crucifixion um, there's actually I say it's medical um, medical reasons why it bring forth blood and water they said a severe a severe beating like that would uh, would uh, you'd lose so much fluid through it from being whipped that severely that you would, uh, I forget the name of what it was called, but basically the fluid around your heart and lungs would increase because there was less blood flow because you didn't have enough blood to pump, so it would, it would increase in there, and that's why blood and water came out. <clears throat> again and again, Jesus shed his blood for us. And the amazing thing is the Bible clearly teaches that it was all on purpose. It wasn't just some accident. <clears throat> it wasn't just some something gone wrong or um, just happened that way. It was planned. There's all kinds of prophecies about it. <clears throat> um, it was prophesied that he would die a humiliating death involving rejection and betrayal by a friend, that he'd be sold for 30 pieces of silver, he'd be silence, silent before his accusers, he'd be mocked, beaten, spat upon, that his hands and feet would be pierced, he'd be crucified with thieves, and he'd be praying for his persecutors. His side would be pierced, He'd be given gall and vinegar to drink, <clears throat> and then no bones would be broken. There's more, but I think that's uh, enough. I have, it's interesting looking at all the references for those. It's amazing to think that many, many years before people were prophesying of all the things that Jesus would do on that one day. <clears throat> Now, going back to my earlier question, why did he die? <clears throat> he, he shed his blood um, so I can have forgiveness of sins. He died for me. He died for you. <clears throat> it's something we need to um, I don't know think about more and take it more personally <clears throat> we hear of can I say heroic people that will give their lives uh, for somebody here on earth 
but he gave his for everybody or every single one of us and it was the most cruel and horrible way to die so I have some verses here uh, in closing about um, the life we have through his blood let's go through those quickly here 1 John 1, 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us, cleanseth us from all sin. Matthew twenty six twenty eight, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remissions of sins. Hebrews nine twenty two, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. Hebrews 9.12 Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. 1 John 2.2 And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And from uh, Revelation 1.5, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood. How much more to the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. That was Hebrews 9.14. <clears throat> Acts twenty twenty eight. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Leviticus seventeen eleven. For the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Ephesians two twenty and 22. Uh, actually, this is just Ephesians 2.20. Uh, sorry, that one didn't get copied down right, so I'll skip that one. Uh, Colossians 1.14. In whom we have redemption through the blood, even the forgiveness of sins. <clears throat> Christ's blood atones for all. It was a blessing studying that. It's, um, I say, it's kind of a uncomfortable, uncomfortable topic or thing to study. But um, I think it brings home <clears throat> the weight and reality of um, what Jesus did to really understand what He went through. <clears throat> So if we could sing uh, three three sixty seven, David. <clears throat> 